Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio's first show of the new year. Happy New Year, everyone. So there are young professionals making six figures but are drowning in credit card debt. And there are very modest salary people who have a fully stocked emergency fund, are debt-free, and are investing for retirement and other goals. So why doesn't more income translate to a better financial situation? The most common difference between these two types of people is practical financial education. According to Forbes magazine, two-thirds of American adults can't pass a basic financial literacy test. Investopedia defines financial literacy as the knowledge of making appropriate decisions about personal finance such as investing, insurance, real estate, paying for college, budgeting, retirement, and tax plan. Because of this, Parent Pump Radio will be bringing on many expert guests to help educate you on money, tax, debts, student loans, investment, and ways to cash flow. Let's give you some statistics. How bad is financial literacy in our country? Here are four alarming rates that could be drastically improved with the right education. Number one, 44% of Americans don't have enough cash to cover a $400 emergency. 38% of U.S. households have credit card debts with an average of $16,048 and an APR of 16.47%. of American adults have less than $10,000 saved for retirement. 43% of student loan borrowers are not making payments. So are you ready to get serious about your finances and really start achieving your goals? Well, our expert today is going to talk to all the parents out there who are interested in getting free college money for your child so they don't actually have to go into student loan debt. He is the author of the book, How to Get free money for college, a world-class scholarship and financial aid specialist. He helps parents of 9th, 10th, 11th grader get scholarships and grants to attend expensive universities. In the eight year, he has helped over 200 families get over $14 million in free, that's free college money. So ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my guest today, Trevor Ramos. Hi, Trevor. Hey, Jacqueline. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you. I know this is going to be an episode that's going to be listened by a lot of people just from that you know, title of your book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share it. It's a definitely an important time to talk about it. Especially when student loans are at trillion-dollar rates right now. So here's some examples of the colleges that he's helped students along with their scholarship or grants for four years. University of California, Los Angeles, 36000 University of Southern California, $224,224. Pepperdine U- University, over 87000 Dartmouth, over 119000 John Hopkins University, over 167000 And that's just a partial list of what Trevor has done to help families get scholarship. Yeah, and I think when I hear those numbers, I, I think of the student. I, I remember who it was. I remember 
you know, how they felt when they came to me and, um, you know, to put them in the same situation that I was put where I'm staring at an award of tens of thousands of dollars to go to a school that I've always wanted to go to. And I also think that hearing those numbers might be a little alarming to a parent who actually doesn't know how much these colleges really cost. So, you know, if you hear $224,000 in free scholarships and grants to go to USC, you might think, does it really even require that much scholarship money to get there? Well, yeah, that's, that's the surprise. That's the amazing thing about it is that it has gotten really expensive to go to some of these colleges. So, you know, to get 224000 or $170,000, that's, you know, bringing that cost down to pennies on the dollar. Generally speaking, what we're talking about is so you got a kid that, you know, has gotten good grades in school, really likes school, and then wants to go to Stanford. If they want to go to Stanford right out of high school, you are looking at spending $75,000 a year to send them. And if you have more than one child, you could easily be put in a situation where you're spending, you know, really like $5,000 a month, $7,500 a month, or taking out loans in order to do that. Yeah, they say the cost to send your child to college is an average home. Yeah, sending two kids to private school will be about what it costs in, in like a Torrance. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, yeah. That's so pretty what accurate. Is, what advice would you give someone who's about to send their child off to college? If you've got a child in the 9th, 10th, and 11th grade, um, I really recommend that you sit down with your child and figure out what colleges they um, would like to go to. Create a list and say, okay, we do want to go to UCLA. And if they don't know, just pick a school and go visit it. Do you want to go to Pepperdine? Do you want to go get an, an idea of what schools uh, would be suited for them? And then I, um, I'd recommend that they go on a computer and type in EFC calculator, E as in Eric, F as in Frank, C as in Charles calculator. And it's going to ask you a bunch of questions that will tell you how much your family is expected to pay each year for college. And you might run that and find out that your family is expected to pay $5,000 a year for college. Well, what that means is that if you're sending your child to a college that costs $50,000 a year and you're only expected to pay $5,000 a year, that means that college is supposed to give you the other 90% in free scholarship and grant money. So there's a few things you have to do in order to make sure that they have the money to do that. But once you know that, it's a good feeling to go to a school and visit a school and say, yeah, you know, this is a school that if we get in here, going to cost us $5,000 a year. It's going to cost us $10,000 a year. And we're not going to have to take out students. Depending on what your child wants to be, it might not be a four-year college. If someone wants to be a teacher, they wouldn't go to USC to become a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it comes into finding the right school. We're not all going to go to UCLA. There are 2,000 four-year institutions. There's 4,000 uh, higher education institutions. So, you know, do we go to community college and transfer do we go to a Cal State? Do we go to a UC? Do we go to a UT? Do we go to a private school? What do we want to major in? Which schools are going to give us the right education for that and to put us on the right track? What I will tell you, though, is that often, you know, like I went to, a, at the time, $50,000 a year college. It would have cost me more money to go to community college, actually, because I would have needed a car. I would have needed a, a place to live. I would have needed meals, uh, but I just happened to fall on a school that had enough money to bring it down to to five thousand. You know, so doing these things that I'm telling you to do will tell you. You know, you might be thinking, "Hey, let's just go to the college that has the lowest tuition." Well, 
that college may uh, not have any financial aid to offer you as opposed to more expensive college that may have the financial aid to make it cost exactly the same or less. So what if you have a kid that doesn't really have great grades? How are you going to get scholarship money? Yeah, so it's all relative. It's a really great question. Not only that, what if you have a kid that doesn't have great test scores? Like it doesn't test well That's in school. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, it doesn't test well on the SAT. It doesn't test well on the ACT. Um, what do you do in that situation as well? Um, so the first answer is what do you do if your kids does not have straight A's? Like I said, getting accepted and getting a grant, obviously like Duke University, you know, it's probably not going to happen unless they maybe go to a community college and get, get, get better grades. But there are so many institutions that would pay for a child that has a 3.0. I got in with a 2.8, you know, coming out of my junior year. We're not talking about the top 10 institutions in the country, but there are so many institutions that want students and are looking for things behind the grades and the test scores that you'll still, you know, end up getting into several of them that are willing to pay for, for them to attend. Like I've gotten students with 2.8s into Woodbury, like 130 grand into Woodbury. I've gotten student money to go to Pacific Lutheran. I remember I had a student with a 2.6 that got an academic achievement scholarship to Pacific Lutheran. And the parent, she says, I still laugh every time I see it, you know, because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But it's all on what they want from me. And then, you know, I have the kids with test, test scores. A lot of schools are, are getting away from using SAT and SAT, ACT as a way of uh, evaluating the student's performance in college. You know, schools are test optional. So if you want to know what schools are test optional, meaning that you don't have to send them an SAT score or an ACT score at all, then type in test optional colleges. And, you know, University of Chicago just became test optional. George Washington is test optional. Wake Forest, Holy Cross. So these are top colleges where if you've got just the worst SAT score ever, you don't even have to show it to them and you may still get accepted. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. And get money. Say a parent makes too much money to qualify for a financial aid. How do you get financial aid then? What I deal with are the people that make too much money to qualify for government um, aid like Pell Grants and even Cal Grants, but not enough to pay $2,500, $7,500 a month to send their child to college. So these are the people in the middle, which it is, it is more difficult for those people because, you know, the people that, that, that make a lot of money, you know, like make millions, they don't really care about, they don't mind spending that kind of money. Some of them are very smart with their money, which is part of what we're talking about, believe it or not. So I do get people that earn a, a, like a lot of money that still don't want to spend 300 grand on each of their children. And then you have people that they might qualify for free reduced lunch at their high school um, and, and things like that. So for them, the people that have low income, like say under 45,000 a year, all they have to do is get into a good school and the money will be there. But the people in the middle, there's two ways that you do this. When you, you know, for a middle-class family, you can get the money based on your finances and you can get the money based on your kids' grades. You do both. So when you're getting the money based on your finances, you have to know every question every college will ask you and what it will mean for how much you have to pay out of pocket for college. So what does it mean? It means that if you don't really have any real estate, if you don't really have any you know, savings, the chances of you staying something on financial aid that would actually eliminate your eligibility is low. But if you actually have those things, just listing something incorrectly could mean $10,000 a year in how much you have to pay. So, you know, that's why you really want to do this stuff beforehand and see 
how much each college would offer you based on your um, finances. An example of that, we got a paid off house in California, you can have up to $500,000 in equity. Well, there's some colleges that will ask you to list the equity in your home as an asset in financial aid forms. These are colleges like USC, Claremont, McKenna, Pitzer, and there are colleges that don't. These are colleges like Pepperdine University, UCLA, like Chapman. So just looking at schools that don't look at the equity in your home would make a huge difference in how much you have to pay at these two different schools. So that's, you know, need-based aid, and that's how, you know, you can understand the system there. And then the other way is just based on your grade. There are schools, like I said, that will give out $20,000 a year, $30,000 a year, $25,000 just if a kid has a certain GPA. And many times on these schools' websites, they'll say, if you've got a 3.4 GPA and you've got a 1,200 on your SAT, we'll give you $10,000 a year. That's what you do if you're, you know, middle income and, you know, you want to make sure that you can get the most in, in, in grants and scholarships. It's a matter of really researching the colleges that fits with your family's finances, too. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate in finding a school that's good for what this, this student's culturally. Like, I don't want them to feel out of place when they're at a college. So I want them to feel culturally a fit. I want them to be academically a fit. I don't want them struggling to to make it at a school, but I also don't want it to be too easy that they're not inspired. So I want it to be academic fit. I want it to be a cultural fit. I want it to be good for what they want to study in college. And I want it to be a fit financially. And I feel like a lot of people forget that part is that, yes, you know, yes, it's an amazing school. We love it. It's such a beautiful campus. But if that school is going to ask you to borrow $70,000 a year, in my opinion, that's not, that's not something that I'm willing to, to, to do. It's just not simply filling out the FAFSA to get financial aid. Yeah, in fact, if you wait until it's time to fill out the FAFSA to start thinking about this stuff, it's really too late because you want to know of all the colleges my kid is looking at, how much are they all going to cost if I fill this thing out? And I wouldn't mind you filling the FAFSA out even if your kid is in the 10th grade right now. Go create an FSA ID and go fill out a FAFSA as if your kid is going to go to college right now and see what questions that, that those colleges are going to ask you. And that way you can really understand. Like I work with a lot of tax people, so a lot of uh, tax information is asked on those forms. And if you own a business or if you have real estate, that could even Im- impact how you do your taxes when your kid is about to go to college and what financial decisions you make, whether you pay off some things that you know maybe you wouldn't have, maybe... Are you going to buy that next property right before they go to school or after? All kinds of things, you know, go into this stuff um, and just set you up to where you've got all your finances in a row. And then your kid is, you know, they've, they've done everything that they need to do. And then it's just applying. Applying for financial aid, is, is that's just an application. We're talking about planning. So we're not just filling out an application and seeing what boxes to check off correctly. We're trying to position ourselves so that when we fill out that application, that we get the maximum amount of money and we know how much we're going to get. That's a good point. There are some students where it's a good idea for them to go two years uh, at their local college so that they can save money, so that they can get the the GPA that they want to get into the college that they really want to go to. But I think a lot of people do that thinking that that is their least expensive option when it could be true that they can get into Baylor, they can get into Southern Methodist, directly from high school um, and get all the scholarships and that money they're supposed to get. So when do you think a child should be going to a two-year college then? When, um, I think, yeah, so when should they really consider that? Um, 
I think they should consider it if they're in a situation where their grades are not high enough to get accepted to a school that has enough money to give them. If they have, say, a 2.7 and they didn't really realize, you know, how much that matters in terms of college acceptance, with a 2.7, it's not too easy to get into the schools that have all the endowment money to make it cheap for you to go. You can't really get into um, Trinity University with a 2.7 GPA. So there are some schools you can get into with a 2.7, but they're not going to have the money to get it down uh, to what you need to really make it happen often, often. Sometimes you can. Like I gave you an example of a kid with a 2.6 where we did that, um, but it is harder to do that. The other time is, you know, I see a lot of art students. And if you want to study the arts, like you want to do painting, you want to do acting, those schools only give out money for the most part based on your talent. And a lot of times they're not talented enough yet to get a scholarship based on their acting skills or based on the painting skills. They really do need two years to, to hone in on their craft. You know, that will cut down how much that college is going to charge them, you know, two years. So that's an example of when going to two-year college can be good. I look at it on a case-by-case basis. Sometimes I'll meet a student and it doesn't seem like they're academically ready to go straight into a four-year. Sometimes, sometimes, not often, but sometimes. And I might say, yeah, you know, you need, you need two years to get used to um, the, the, the level of, of, of analysis and level of, of discipline that it takes. So that might be a student that I'll, that I'll send to a two-year first, or I'll send to a community college for a year and then transfer him to um, a private school after that year. What about a kid who maybe doesn't know what he wants to do in life or what he wants to major at a university yet? Yeah. So, I mean, so someone who doesn't know what they want to do, that might say, oh, okay, well, we'll just send him to community college and let him figure it out. You know, the thing is, is what you want to do is you want to send them to an institution that has enough time to sit down with them and talk to them about what their options are and has a career office that can put them in, in, in position where they can get some experience. And, you know, generally speaking, if someone doesn't know what they want to do, I don't want to send them to a huge college. I want to send them to a small college where they're going to have a lot of time to, you know, pay attention to the student and they're not going to get, um, they're not going to get lost in the shuffle. You know, not to say that big institutions lose students in the shuffle, but it's more important that you know what you want to study if you're at a school that has so many students. If you go to a liberal arts college that has 4,000 students, 1,000 students in each class, and every class has seven people in it, they're going to have time to sit down with the PhD and, and really have that person tell them about their life experience and tell them about all their academic options and the resources that the college offers, as opposed to like a larger institution where you're going to really need to navigate your way through it. So that's, that's what I would recommend to someone who doesn't know what they want to do. Go to a school that has the time to talk to you about that kind of stuff. I want to talk about your book. Tell us what your book is about and why parents should be buying it. Okay. So this is my book right here. Yay. How to get free money for college. Yeah. My book is a guidebook. I wrote it for the parent of a middle school and high school student, and I'm basically walking you through the process from not knowing what classes to take and what colleges your kids should be looking at 
and how much money this is all going to cost to staring at a financial aid offer from four or five colleges and having to choose which one is going to be right for your student. Because I've worked with so many people one-to-one, I'm used to getting the same questions over and over and knowing when that question will come up through the process. So it's just walking you. It's a guidebook. It's the best introduction to, you know, going through this process, understanding how much, you know, all this is going to cost and what's at stake and, you know, where the money is, how to get it and what to look out for. It's broken into three sections. It's talk, one is just called Let's Talk About the Money. The second is how to find colleges for your child. And then the third is what your child needs to be doing if they're in the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth grade in order to increase their profile so that they can get into colleges that have stronger and more generous scholarships. If someone has read your book or they maybe they, they just want to go straight to you, how what do you guys do to help parents in your consulting practice? I deal with students and the parents. With the parents, I'm sitting down with them and talking to them about, okay, these are all our options. We can look at these kinds of colleges. This is what you'll get for that. Looking at your finances, this is how much you can get. This is how much you'll end up paying. Uh, not just for your first kid, but all of your kids. And this is what's what's important for you to do in order to keep, you know, uh, keep an eye on your kid as they go through this process. Uh, a lot of it I do with the students and my staff. So with the students, we're meeting them basically every two to four weeks. And we're telling them what they need to do uh, that month in order to increase their profile or in order to finish their applications on time and in order to really do an outstanding job of presenting themselves. In order to teach someone how to present themselves, you've got to help them to discover who they are and what makes them unique and different. So that's what takes time. And we want to also put them through experiences, you know, so sending them to these colleges and sending them through leadership programs and telling them to volunteer their time and, and helping them to think about hobbies and, and, and cool things that they, are, they find interesting and getting them to pursue those things or what puts you in a position to where when a college asks you, tell me about yourself, did you have such an amazing answer that that college is willing to give you a lot of money to come to your school for? So last question, when's the best time for students to be going to you? Um, so I like to see students in the 9th, 10th, and 11th grade. I, I do get calls from parents when their kid is in the 12th grade, and Often, I don't have enough time to really perform what I really need to perform. I, I really only have a couple of months. So if I can catch them in the ninth grade, I can catch them in the 10th grade, I can build them up so that you know, they have so many options in terms of colleges and, and, and we can really work on getting the finances set up so that they can get a lot of money. I also see students that are going to community college. They say, okay, I want to transfer by 2020 or 2021. And I'll say, okay, well, this is what you want to do if you want to be able to transfer to a school like this. Or, you know, if you want to transfer to University of Chicago, if you want to transfer to Loyola Chicago. Um, so I see those students as well. Awesome. Tell us your website. Oh, so my website is collegefundingremedies.com. So collegefundingremedies.com. Uh, you can also just Google uh, Trevor Ramos, how to get free money for college, and we'll start getting plugged into my information. We're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter. 
So there's a lot of ways to get in contact with us. My book's on Amazon. You can go to that way too. The link to the Amazon book is in the show notes and also his Trevor's phone number as well as the website. Well, thank you so much, Trevor. I appreciate you coming to the interview. Yeah, it, it worked out. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm, I'm, I hope you guys, you know, learned something from this and, you know, got some kind of ideas and things that, you know, you can do to get free money for college. Absolutely. Okay, listeners, until next time, always be learning and always be growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.